are doing this every Tuesday. They need to come hang out with Mooch and the Misses. That is called fascism. Okay, he is a fascist leader. He's his own worst enemy. He's creating his own problems. You know, he's like one of those people who can't get out of their own way. I don't want to be one of those like kind of Trump like, haters. Okay, I just want it. to make... Everyone is a product of their upbringing and their personal loyalties. I'm a human being, and I probably got overtaken by the excitement of him winning. The minute you called me to say, uh, boom, as soon as I got that, boom, I called you right back. Anyway, you, and then you she lose hit the me. argument. All the ladies out there. My mother's like, why are you cursing so much? I'm like, ma... Where do you think I learned it from? We do this podcast. I go into the city. We have dinners together or we'll travel. We spend time to be together as a couple and a family and as business partners. And I feel like it really helps us. You still love me? I do. Okay. Do you still love me? Very much. Okay. I don't know if you, I mean, very much my liberal hot wife. (laughs) Every time I listen to that, I feel like I'm watching Family Ties or something. No? Well, I mean, Neil, it's a very 80s theme music, though, you know what I mean? I feel like it's like an 80s sitcom, but it's fine, okay? It's fine, I'm going to go... I'm gonna you go know, that's exactly like what it was. was. 1985. I'm going to have a mullet, and like I'm going to have like that peach fuzz that I didn't want to shave. Ew. Wait, so I have a question. I feel like we won... Did we ever broadcast from Hawaii before? No, we've never broadcast from Hawaii. Oh, because I remembered singing like Melakelikimaka. You are fake news. Last last March, we broadcast from Hawaii. We did, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I was singing the stupid Christmas Hawaiian Christmas theme song. So we're um, on the beautiful beaches of Maui right now. We are. Um, it's very early in the morning, so. 7.30, we're extremely jet-lagged. We have no idea what we're doing because it's six hours behind New York. Bizarre time zone here, right? Yeah, and we just got good news from Uncle Neil that we've got uh, advertising pickup. So congratulations, Uncle Neil. What about um, Congratulations to you. Yeah, exactly. well, okay, well, congratulations Uncle Neil. to us. You know, Neil, you can know. you hear both of us? Do we sound good? How do we sound? You right sound now? like you're on the beach. Do we sound like we're all these miles away from you in the middle of the Pacific? A little bit. It's been a while since I've seen you. I miss you guys. I know. It's literally been almost a month, which is not not okay. But anyway, we woke up to massive amounts of news all about this subpoena for the the EU ambassador and how they're trying to not show up for their subpoena. So... Anthony is a nerd, and he schooled me on everything this morning, so I didn't even have to watch the news or read anything. And he wants to say something. He's grabbing yeah. the phone well, from me. Well, because well, I want to I explain that they invited him to the Congress. He said, no, now they have to issue a subpoena. Oh, okay. You which, that much. Well, which, if he does get the subpoena, and he says no to the subpoena, which he likely will say no to the subpoena, now you've got a, uh, a crisis that's got to go into the court system. Um, but let me ask my beautiful wife something, okay? If if you don't have anything to hide, why are you going through this sort of process to block everything? Is this you're going to claim partisanship? What, okay, give me give me your best argument. Be Donald Trump. No, Donald Trump's argument is that it's a witch hunt and it's wasting everybody's time and nobody can get anything done because we're talking about all of this scandal, which is a hundred percent accurate. However. The scandals are real and true, and he has created a bunch of frenzy and um, distraction from the actual things that need to get done in the country. So 
basically what he's saying is right, but the things do exist, so we have to pay attention to them. We can't just ignore them. So he's really the one that's blockading um, things from getting done by his dysfunction, with his dysfunction. Every day we wake up to something new that he's created, a new situation that's not, not okay. So I was thinking about this yesterday because we were in Honolulu. We went to Pearl Harbor. We stood at the um, memorial for the USS Arizona, and I felt extremely sad and very patriotic, and I think you did too. And I'm thinking to myself, like, we have, a, we have an amazing country with unbelievable freedoms, and we're turning it into like a joke and a laughing stock, and we are not abiding by the Constitution. The president is just taking it upon himself to do whatever, whenever, however he wants, and it's a shame. I think it's super sad, and I'm waiting for someone to step up and take the reins or take back what we lost in the past three years. Well, I mean, I mean, it's going to add something. Because, I mean, the Democrats, unfortunately, they don't know how to handle Trump. I mean, they're well, they're being too gentle. Everybody's they're being they're being very, very, very gentle. I mean, they should be smashing him as hard as they can right now if they want to get to the bottom of all the illicitness. So you've got several whistleblowers uh, basically telling you that the president of the United States is using the power of the federal government and the potentiality of withholding aid which was already passed by the Congress, uh, withholding aid from one of our allies uh, unless they do his bidding to hurt one of his political opponents. And so I don't even know. I mean, I'm watching the Kabuki theater of them try to explain uh, how they're going to get away with it, whether it's, it's Mayor Giuliani, who you know I have a very long relationship with and genuinely like. Um, how are they going to explain it? So to me, I think it's very, very odd then we learn from the president. Okay, Rudy Giuliani has lost it. Did you see? Okay, the other night I watched him on um, Howie Kurtz's show on Fox. He was literally <laughs> reading his iPad while the guy was interviewing him. Like, what the hell is he doing? Oh, no, he was trying to look. Yeah, but up. you don't do that. You don't look no. down at an iPad and Google and Google he, stuff. He was trying to look up information that yeah, he thought was going to help that. him. He looked ridiculous. He looked insane. No, I, I. Okay, I mean, I totally agree with you. I, I guess the, the the problem I think we're all having now is are the Democrats actually going to stand up and push this? That's the thing. Are they going to be aggressive about this? And what do you say? Well, I think they're trying to be very aggressive about everything, but I don't know. I don't know. What's going to happen with anything? I feel like you said it yesterday in the car. I don't know who you were talking to, but you said that Trump is one lucky bastard. So I think basically he's going to slide away and get away with all of it. And I think there's a whole bunch of people who actually really are still in his camp that are going to see to it that he has money to promote himself. Every time I turn around, whether I'm on Twitter or even on just the regular television, there's literally videos, commercials, all this crazy propaganda stuff for his campaign already. And he's got a lot of money in the bank. So I think it's very telling that he's raised so much campaign money over the past few months, given everything that's going on. So he's got a, he's got a base. He's got support. So I don't really know what's going to happen. So 
so the but the question is are they going to accept this level of lawlessness that's the question and yeah, so he seems to be able to get away with it okay so so maybe i mean i i would be a little bit more aggressive if i was on the democratic team hitting him because that's the only thing he's going to respond to and there's the only thing that's going to really weaken him but but Democrats could likely put Elizabeth Warren up against him. Let's say he survives this impeachment crisis. I predict that he, I predict that he won't. If they actually go to impeach him, uh, and all that information is up on national television during the impeachment hearings and the inquiry, uh, I think he'll have to slink away. I think he'll have to figure out a way to get himself a pardon and to get himself out of office, which is what I said two months ago that we reach peak peak Trump. But my question is if they nominate Elizabeth Warren, what say you? I sound like James. Our little two-year-old always says, don't do that, all right? Ugh. So that's what I would feel like saying to them. <laughs> because I, for as much as I think this has gotten so out of control, and I don't, I truly don't believe anymore, because I feel like I'm pretty non-biased, pretty objective person, but I think Trump has gone now, like this thing with Syria, I'm like, okay, he's not doing the right thing anymore. Just like he disposes of friends and family at the drop of a dime, everybody's disposable. He just discards everyone and everything. That's basically what he's done to the Kurds. We had this deal with them, a good faith you know, deal with them. They helped us. They're helping us defeat the caliphate. And then... For some reason, which we still don't know what the reason is, we will find out at some point, he just dropped them like a hot potato, dumped them, ghosted them, and that's not the United States. That's not how we handle ourselves. Like, that is the epitome of a flake. We're not supposed to be a flaky country. We're supposed to be steadfast. You know, that's why I was talking about this Pearl Harbor thing. When we were standing on the boat yesterday, the um, USS Missouri, where they declared, you know, the peace treaty or whatever you want to call it, the end of the end of war declaration um, on that boat in 1945, like we were the benevolent nation. We were the strong nation. We were the good, the good nation. Now we're just like, nobody can believe us. We don't stand by our word. And I feel like that's like a crying shame. But what was I saying? Oh, yeah. For as much as I think Trump is not doing the right thing by the country. I don't know if I could really get behind some of these Democrats. So I'm really having a hard time. I think Biden definitely, it's shady, his deal with his son. Like you said, that's like our son, Nick Scaramucci, five years old. He's going to be the, you know, a consultant on a uh, Ukrainian like energy company. Like what the hell does Hunter Biden know about any of that? That's so shady. So I think there's disasters on both sides. I feel like, very hopeless at this moment. I don't know. Well, well, what about what about Jared and Ivanka? Ivanka Kushner Ivanka. making eighty-two million dollars this year while they're inside the White House. What, what do you say about that? Well, I feel like when you become president, there's it, he's got too much nepotism going on. They don't belong in the White House. Like he started with all of getting away with anything he wanted to do from the minute he was inaugurated. Like what the hell did they business did they have? being his advisors, none. And if you're going to do that and you're going to submit yourself as um, now somebody that works for the government, then you need to literally cut ties with all business functions and every single thing that you were tied to beforehand. 
and make that sacrifice. Just like when you went to work for Trump, we were selling, we had to sell our business. You don't make money. You don't, you don't have these outside business dealings while you're focused on the government. It's very, um, it's a humongous conflict, but they are allowed to do whatever they want. And that's why everybody hates them. When, especially when you're a law abiding stand-up citizen, and then the person who's running your country is just getting away with murder. That's not fair, and people don't like that. Okay, so let's go over a couple of facts. Okay, ready? The president, obviously... No, here it is. I think the president tried to conspire with a foreign country to destroy one of his political opponents. He then sent out a transcript, and the transcript more or less verified it. Uh, and I know Trump's personality. He looked at it and said, okay, this transcript is coming out anyway, so let me send it out. And if I do it out in the open, it makes people think that it's not nefarious, okay? So that's one of his tricks, okay? And then one of his aides, this guy, Ambassador Sondland, uh, released, you know, not the ambassador, the guy uh, Taylor, released text messages detailing the conspiracy where Ambassador Sondland is basically saying, uh, call me. Uh, the text message says, oh, okay, so are we really withholding aid for political purposes? And they says, call me. Okay. Sorry. I mean, that's not allowed in the democracy, honey. Okay. So so at some point, yeah, somebody's got to... He's running the place like he's running Trump International. And that's not what it is. So that's how it's basically going. He's above everything, you know, and he does whatever he wants. He's running it like it's his own personal business, but it's not. It's our country, you know? I don't know. So so you've met uh, Governor Perry with me, who's now the Secretary of Energy. So uh, Trump threw him over under the bus over the weekend. Uh, what do you think about that? I heard someone say yesterday that nobody's ever surprised by anything he does anymore, me being one of those people. I mean, he goes after... Mitt Romney, he goes after you, he goes after me, he goes after every single person, and he's turned his back on numerous amounts of people that he had a close, quote-unquote, personal relationship, Michael Cohen, whoever, Paul Manafort, whoever, whoever it is. So nothing he does surprises me. I mean, are you shocked by anything anymore? No, I'm I'm not shocked by anything. I guess guess the... uh... The thing that he did, Trump, which he'll go down in history for, is that he really, we were not civil to each other. We were roughing each other up hard during the Bush era, roughing each other up hard during the Obama era. Now we're blowtorching each other, okay? We've gone past any level of decorum or any level of civility. But but the truth be told, if you're on Trump's team or you're a Trump supporter, he will eventually turn on you because, unfortunately, the information that's about to come out on him is very, very bad, honey. I know. And he's 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 going to get if they handle this right and they execute it properly inside the house, he's going to get knocked out of office. So, so let's turn to Syria because I think this is also very important. And since we talked about this before the podcast started, I'm going to just spend a minute on what it actually is. So anybody listening to this I podcast, a map that you could, that you drew for me this morning. That'd be so so I drew a map for Deirdre this morning to explain. Pull it up. They should pull it up. Tell them how to, well, like, well, if you go to, if you go to Google maps or you go to your iPhone and you look at the maps, 
go to the triangle between Turkey, Syria, and Iraq. And right up in that region of the world is where the Kurds live. And so the Kurds have, have wanted to have their own country. Uh, the Sykes-Picot Treaty um, in 1915 basically uh, ruled them out of having a country. And so they, they, they put the Kurds in parts of Syria, parts of Iraq, and parts of Turkey. And that treaty, unfortunately, uh, has really upset the Middle East because there's been a border conflict as a result of that treaty as the French and British Empire and the Ottoman Empire were pulling out of the Middle East during the First World War, the treaty that they put in place left a border dispute everywhere. So the Kurds have always wanted to have their own country. Um, the Turks uh, don't want to give them land, okay, and so they've declared them a terrorist state. The Syrians are obviously uh, the Alawite tribe that controls Syria, obviously wants nothing to do with Kurd sovereignty. And since they were in Northern Iraq, of course, Saddam Hussein uh, didn't want anything to do with them as well. So they became an adversary of Saddam Hussein and an adversary of ISIS. And the United States basically funded them and gave them military support and help. And they were basically our ground troops defeating ISIS uh, over the last three and a half, four years. And so now we made certain promises to them and certain pledges in the Bush administration and the Obama administration that we would protect them uh, from a potential incursion from Turkey or from potential harm from the newly formed Iraqi government. And the president, for some reason, back in December, said, hey, we don't want to protect them anymore. ISIS is over. Let's uh, feed our allies to the dogs, basically. And Jim Mattis, Secretary Mattis, said at that time, um, if you do that, I'm going to resign. And so Trump wanted to do that. Jim, uh, Secretary Mattis, resigned, and the president stopped it. He still left the 3,000 troops in the area. And in full disclosure, because I want to end these wars as well, and I want to bring our troops home, I was sympathetic to the president's decision at that time. But after talking to Secretary Mattis and uh, General Kelly and others in the military, I understood why we needed to maintain some kind of troop force there, uh, because, frankly, the Kurds shed their blood to defeat ISIS, and we were there to protect them. So, so I switched my view, and that's what smart people do. They switch their view when they get more information or when the facts and circumstances change. But we need to ask the President of the United States, someone in the press needs to ask, why are you pulling out when you know we've had this agreement? Okay, so, so babe, you're, you know, insightful citizen and a curious citizen. What's your reaction to all that as a, just a citizen doesn't focus on this stuff day to day like I do? Well, there's something that he's either in cahoots with with somebody um, somebody that has a vested interest in that part of the world. Um, he's either in bed with somebody trying to help them accomplish their goals of, um, I guess, defeating the Kurds or something like that, or he just likes to show and throw around his power and willy-nilly wakes up in the morning and is like, you know what, I'm going to do this, and I can because I'm me and I'm the president. And what did he tweet yesterday? Something so ridiculous. And you used to say to me, oh, he's doing that to rile people up, which he probably is. 
But doesn't that get tiring and old after like three years to tweet stuff to make people mad? I mean, I don't Spam get it. man. <laughs> so basically, what did he say yesterday that he is uh, that his unmatched wisdom or something? I mean, I'm an extremely stable genius. Yeah, I mean, it's old now, buddy. Like, give it up. Get a life. Be presidential. He's he's just tarnished the whole face of the presidency. I really can't stand it anymore. And so those are my two theories. Either he was doing it to wield his power and show everybody that he can wake up and do something that ruins people um, at the drop of a dime, snap of a finger, or he is in some sort of agreement with somebody in that area of the world where he's trying to help them out for either money or power or whatever it is. So those are my two theories. I don't know if an average... I, I think I you forced me to be... In, into politics more than I ever have been, so I don't know if I'm if I'm objective anymore, really. Well, I think that's something that the president definitely takes advantage of, that there's a lack of uh, curiosity or even understanding of these issues for most people. So let's, let's switch to something that most people would be fascinated by. ABC News is reporting that a groom sexually assaulted the wife's bridesmaid before the wedding. Mm -hmm. Okay, and so I don't know what happened, uh, but the guy went a little crazy, and the groom admitted to the police that he took advantage of the bridesmaid. So I'm just asking for a friend. Uh, how do you, Are they still getting married, or They're what's married. going on? Oh, they got married. Okay. Well, I mean, they got married. I think people drink and do absolutely ridiculous things. Not that that's any excuse, but... Yeah, they got married. I think it was their wedding weekend. So, like, okay. what are you supposed to do at that point? Call off the whole thing? Okay. I mean, some people would, but you would, but I wouldn't. If, I, if, if you if, found me stripping one of your friends naked and, like, fondling his testicles, you'd call off the wedding. Okay. But Okay. I mean, did my wife just say that on the podcast? My yeah. testicles are a lot smaller than chimps. Well, I, 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 okay, I would hope that you would never do that, but, like, uh, since this is going in such an uncomfortable area, I'm going to switch now to the donated sperm that allegedly uh, conceived 17 children, okay? So there's a lawsuit going on at an Oregon fertility clinic that has raised new concerns <laughs> about the fertility industry. So go ahead. What's your opinion of that? So I find this to be fascinating, this whole thing, because I think it's just... It's one of those things that I appreciate but never fully grasp as from the donor's perspective. So I understand, and I actually am um, personally attached or know people who have used the sperm donor. So, and they have you know extenuating circumstances in many cases, and I think it's great that they actually have the opportunity to um, be a mom and and have a baby. And so I get that. But the part where you actually, I guess this is where men are different because we're, you're not hormonally attached to the idea that your child will be roaming around the earth and you'll have nothing to do with it. I think that would be very hard for a woman like to do willy-nilly. If something yeah. shoots out of your vagina, you're going to worry about it. Yeah, exactly. So especially if it's human and living and walking around and talking to people. So this guy donated his sperm, I guess, 
for science purposes. They promised him it would never be. He lives in like Seattle or something. They promised it would never be anyone in the Pacific Northwest, and it wouldn't be more than five people. He does Ancestry.com. He finds out there's 17 kids that are his living in the Pacific Northwest. So I just think that's crazy and weird and very irresponsible on the people who used his sperm without him knowing. But I just find it so strange to to be okay with donating sperm. I, I know that sounds terrible. I'm being judgy and stuff like that, but it's something I don't get. Do you get it? Would you be able to have kids roaming around? Well, I mean, I mean, I guess some some of the people I've talked to that have actually donated sperm did it when they were in college, and they did it for they were like impoverished. So, look, I have I have no idea. I just think it's a little awkward if you got seventeen kids and they're all going to the same schools and they don't even realize that they're related. It's sort of a very weird uh, situation. So, let's go to the NBA because this is a fascinating thing to me. Uh, the general manager of the Houston Rockets spoke out in support of the democracy movement in Hong Kong, which is obviously a cauldron of tension and anxiety for the mainland Chinese in Beijing. So, so they're trying to suppress freedom. They obviously suppress the press. They censor the internet. Um, the one party with the two systems, basically allowing more liberty in Hong Kong, which was the agreement 25 years ago when the colony of Hong Kong, the British colony, was turned back to the Chinese. Um, they're fighting over it. There's millions of protesters in the, in, in the streets. The Hong Kong citizen says, you've never felt like a Hong Kong citizen unless you've tasted tear gas in your mouth and lungs. And so now we're in a situation where people in the United States are speaking out about it. The Chinese government, the mainland Chinese government, has a relationship with the NBA, and they want the NBA to censure and or fire the general manager of the Rockets. Otherwise, there will be monetary damages. And so the NBA has spoken out against the general manager. What's your opinion of that? Should the mainland autocratic totalitarian government of China be dictating to the NBA, is money more important than liberty? No, but at the end of the day, you know, and I know that everything comes down to the almighty dollar, and so I think the world would be such a cooler place if the NBA would be like, well, screw you, we don't really need you or want you, you know what I mean? It's like two games in China. How much money would they lose if China doesn't broadcast that, honestly? Well, there's a tremendous amount of merchandising. Uh, the Chinese are infatuated with our basketball, and they do broadcast NBA basketball games into China, not just the two games that are there live, but they do broadcast into China. And so they are making a ton of money off of it. So I guess the, the, the real issue, though, is there's a crisis in the world right now between liberty democracy, money, wealth, the anxiety related to the has and the have-nots. And just the question, is is there going to be real leadership in the West that steps up, that breaks this fever and breaks this tension? And I, I, I don't know the answer to that, but if we don't start thinking about things like that, it's going to be rough. Um, before we go... But this uh, is why we get into such... The world has 
the landscape of everything has been completely changed by social media because we have to be so calculated in what we say and do that, you know, everything now is like out there. A few years or in the 80s, nobody would know what this guy is thinking about his, you know, China and clothes, you know, I can't even talk because it gets me so annoyed. But everything is out there. It's like we just vomited all of our thoughts and feelings and everybody's looking at it. You know, all the chunks are on the floor. So it's annoying because it's changed the way everybody acts and the way everyone talks and speaks. And I don't like it. It's inauthentic. There's nothing genuine about anybody anymore. Well, all of this stuff was going on before the Internet. It's just that you didn't, you didn't have access to it. Right. To say and everybody to read. All right, so it's the age of naivete is basically over. So that that that's the real issue. And so how do you deal with the world the way it actually is instead of the imaginary world that some of us were living in? So we'll we'll, we'll see. But uh, um, I'm not super optimistic about it. Uh, Neil, you want us to talk about the Joker movie, but we haven't seen the Joker movie. So did you see the Joker movie, Neil? I did not. No. I haven't gone okay. to the theater. Can't really in a while, talk about actually. the Joker movie, other no, than the I fact. I could talk about the fact that I said to you the other day. Why do they make these movies? I mean, I know a lot of movies have violence and sex and stuff, but this is an outright all-in movie about a crazy person killing people and doing crazy things. And I feel like, for some reason, we're in the peak of we have a high, like the height of anxiety and craziness around the world. Like over the weekend in Kansas City, there was another shooting. I just feel like everybody is at a tipping point. Why do we need to make movies that promote this type of behavior and actually give people ideas and psych them up to be nuts? Like, why do we need that? I don't really get it. Like, I'm not saying we need to be, everything needs to be like a romantic comedy, but I don't think we need a movie about a psycho and a freaking clown makeup running around killing people and violently i don't know i mean i really don't get it why is that exciting well that's the stephen king movie though too the it movie right people are scared shit of clowns i mean when i was a kid growing up you hate i I don't know anybody of the new generation that likes clowns i mean when i was a kid we thought they were funny in the circus now people like running for their lives it's sort of crazy so all right well um Welcome back. We're here in uh, beautiful Hawaii. Can we talk about sex at some point? And, uh, yeah, we don't have to talk about sex when we're in Hawaii because hopefully we're having some sex while we're in Hawaii. No collusion. Only if I stop picking my nose. You're, like, sitting over there picking your nose. Oh, my God. Do you want me to start talking about your habits on this podcast? Right now, I'm sitting here talking. Okay. All right. You know what? You know what? Because I do want to have sex in Hawaii, I'm not going to talk about my wife's. Unseemly habits. It's fine. Absolutely no unseemly habits. You have no no unseemly habits. Okay. Ripping ass. (laughs) 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 Okay. Well, I'm gonna leave it at that. Sexual escapades. Okay. Whatever. All right. Love you. All right. See you later. See you next Tuesday. See you next Tuesday, (laughs) which is our tagline. See you next Tuesday. Yeah. All right. Look it up.